the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Because otherwise, people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? What is the carrot going to be? That was a, a lovely coronavirus doctor, if you guys don't remember that. Her statements of creating mandates and creating a carrot that we would chase because we wanted the carrot and we would do what the government said in order to get the carrot. Uh, that was kind of controversial. And that was when they were really pushing the vaccine hard. But why did I play that? It's because we're talking about the vaccine today, guys. We have some big updates. So we're going to talk about the vaccine. We're also going to talk about information control, right versus wrong, good versus evil. And what side of history are you usually on, pretty much always on, if you are feeling like you need to stop the other side from talking or sharing their side of the debate. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. I can't stand it. Some people are so driven by their emotions that they are willing to ignore reality. And then they try and make policy based on that ignoring reality. And then, what do you know? The policy doesn't work. And then they get really confused and they think, you know what? It's because we didn't go hard enough. I was just listening to an interesting podcast with, it's called Citizen by Dan Holloway. And the whole point is to, to make yourself a better citizen. And really, that's the only way forward. The system is so broken. But if we had stronger individuals and then they created stronger units uh, on their own and in their communities, then we would see positive change. But it starts with us. And so I like the name of the, the podcast, Citizen. I think that's really smart. And it's almost an action item in the title itself. But uh, one of the topics he was talking about in a recent episode was there's people that see the world in terms of ought instead of is. So what the world ought to be versus what it actually is and, and how it reality is. Uh, if you see things in terms of how things ought to be and then try and make policy on how things ought to be and try to shape human behavior, it's never going to work. You have to create a system that sees the good and the bad of human nature, embraces both of them, and then works to prevent the negative aspects of human nature in government. And that's what our founders did. It was really beautiful. Um, so I have a few things that we're going to talk about today. And by a few, I mean quite a lot because a lot's happened. I have a personal censorship story that will really explain how bad the situation is right now. And we'll get into that in a second. But before we get into the first topic, I want to remind you guys, if you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work that Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and it's a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and they fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning because they do this. 
Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative causes with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get activation, free activation with code Morgan and get special discounts that are available for veterans and first responders. Okay, so join the movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT and use code Morgan. Woo! Okay, so we're going to start off with a fun thing today, you guys. It's the six-year anniversary, or I don't know if it's the actual date, but about six years ago today, Donald Trump said this in the debate with Hillary Clinton. I cannot believe it's been six years. Time flies when you're having fun. And after getting the subpoena, you delete 33,000 emails, and then you acid wash them, or bleach them, as you would say, a very expensive process. So we're going to get a special prosecutor and we're going to look into it because you know what? People have been, their lives have been destroyed for doing one fifth of what you've done. And it's a disgrace. And honestly, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Secretary Clinton, I want to follow up on that. I'm going to let you talk about it now. Because everything he just said is absolutely false, but I'm not surprised. In the first debate, in the first debate, I told people that it would be impossible to be fact-checking Donald all the time. I'd never get to talk about anything I want to do and how we're going to really uh, make lives better for people. So, once again, go to HillaryClinton.com. We have literally Trump. You can fact-check him, fact-check, fact-check him in real time. Last time at the first debate, we had millions of people uh, fact-checking, so I expect we'll have millions more fact-checking uh, because, you know, it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton... <laughs> We want to remind the audience to please not uh, talk out loud. Please do not applaud. You're just wasting. Okay, yeah. So the infamous because you'd be in jail happened six years ago today. Now, uh, that alone, I thought that was interesting. And I wanted to remind you guys, I I cannot believe six years has passed since that moment. We've we've been through so much as a country since that day. I was in college at the time. I was a young little baby. I wasn't really into politics, I guess you could say. Uh, I just really liked history and I went to college to be in veterans advocacy. So I remember the debates playing and I was at a 90% liberal school. So when Trump won, they burned the American flag and all this stuff. Actually, speaking of that, I I did a speech writing class a year later or so. And my, this is so weird. My college was in DC. And so a lot of people that were professors were working in the government at the same time, or they had previous government jobs. And my professor for speech writing was the speech writer for Al Gore when he was vice president and when he was running for president. And that's the big climate change guy uh, or global warming guy. And so he was, you know, their speech writer was on the left. And I remember, keep in mind, I, I'm a speaker now. Uh, I just got back from a speech in North Carolina. But I remember I, I would write my speeches and then perform them, I guess, because you had to say them in front of the the class for the most part or submit them to him. And he said, you know, you're you're really good at this. You, you've got a lot of this down, but you just need to sound more intelligent when you speak. And I never really understood what he meant with that. Like, I was like, do I sound kind of dumb? Because I, 
I guess I'm not as intellectual when I speak as maybe other people are, or, you know, for example, somebody like Al Gore's speechwriter. Um, but I've realized that that's kind of my shtick is to talk like a normal person. And perhaps that's why I ended up getting into politics in this way in the first place. I mean, it's why I have been successful in terms of creating content and educational information for the internet and as a speaker on college campuses in high schools, for older crowds as well. I mean, I've spoken at CPAC, I've spoken at the National Tea Party on Capitol Hill at their recent rally uh, a couple years ago. I've spoken all over the country and I, I think it's because I talk like a normal person. I mess up sometimes. I mean, you guys have heard that. My poor editor cuts out most of it whenever I fumble a word, but I use basic language. I'm not trying to be holier than thou or smarter than you or anything. I just talk like a normal person about these issues. And I think that's why it works. But when you have elite liberals like that speechwriting professor, you know, maybe he meant well, but it just kind of shows that they are really out of touch with that. He told me to sound more intellectual because I was just writing in the tone that I would speak in in a normal conversation. So I always think back to that. If, you know, I'm not saying he was trying to call me dumb or anything. We definitely disagreed on politics and he knew I was a Republican, but um, I give him credit for giving me that advice. I just didn't want to move forward with that advice, if you know what I mean. Uh, speaking of that class, though, because my college people that I was with, my classmates, all were burning the flag and stuff when Trump won, there was a speechwriting contest. And before I ever enjoyed public speaking, I mean, I got really nervous every time and I was more of just like a little history nerd. I decided to participate in the speechwriting competition where we all like put money in and then the winner in our speech, we were advocating for a donation for a charity. And I decided to enter and have my charity be Saratoga War Horse. And that was um, for veterans, connecting them to retired racehorses. And then they would heal the horses. The veterans would heal because they're connecting to an animal. It just gives them this this really healing, uh, natural purpose to connect with an animal. And, and uh, both animal and man or women really benefit from the process. So I thought it was beautiful. It's from my hometown area in Saratoga, New York. And I did the speech and I said, you guys all actively use the freedoms, the rights that our veterans fight for every single day that they've given their lives for. You burned our nation's flag. In other countries, you're not going to be alive after you do something like that. But because of our veterans, you guys are able to express your political dissatisfaction and so this is just a small thank you, a way to give back to the men and women that did that. And uh, if you want to keep using your voice in such a way, then I, I encourage you to support this cause and say thank you to the veterans that gave you the ability to do what you did a few months ago on the quad when you burned the American flag. Now, personally, I can't stand the fact that they did that. I think it's disgusting. And that's a whole other conversation. But hey, guys, I won the <laughs> I won that speechwriting uh, competition and I did not think I was going to because I was like the only conservative in class. Again, it was 90 percent liberal on campus with all the professors, students, uh, administrative staff. And I was definitely in the tiny, tiny, tiny minority. And the fact that I won, I think it's because I struck a chord with them and um, reminded them that the ability to do something like that is a very rare and special thing. And so I'm still glad to this day. I think it was only like, I don't know, it's like $100 or $200. It was just all the students that participated had to put in like $10. But I still think back to that. Of That was one of the times where there was a divide that was 
fixed almost for a quick moment. And then, you know, look how that ended up. That was many years ago. But forgetting all of that, I, I saw that video that said, hey, this moment happened six years ago. And I wanted to show you guys that, you know, just for the general significance of how much time has passed. And it's kind of a funny video. But what caught my attention was Hillary Clinton talking about fact checking, because this start of that campaign season was really the first use of the concept of fact checking online on social media. And nowadays we are in a complete totalitarian thought and information control campaign where private tech companies are working in unison with the government and with third-party fact-checkers to control information. Are they fact-checking, or are they just shutting down any speech that opposes their political positions? Guess. Yeah, it's, it's the last one. It's the one where they are using control to absolutely demolish any opposition talking points. Now, I'm going to show you what I mean by that. Here's two examples from just my personal media little business, right? So I have an LLC. I have multiple income streams, right? If you think about it like this, I try and provide a lot of different options for information. I have a nonprofit where we interview survivors from communist countries. That's a 501c3. So you can't get political. I don't talk about candidates or anything. I literally just interview people from communist countries, put that on the internet. I have social media videos on current events. And so what I'll do is I'll take like a video and I'll show you in a second. I'll take a video of what happened at the latest press conference with the press secretary where she said something crazy. I say a selfie video about what I believe was happening there and my analysis of it. And then I say, here, watch this. Here's the original video. And then people can watch it. Those bring in um, monetization dollars that go into the LLC and help pay for editing and stuff. And then I have my podcast where I can get sponsors. So that's a little bit more free. That's why I like this because I'm not dependent on like monetization money where the big tech companies can just cut it off at any moment. But for example, the 501c3, if I interview somebody who lived through a communist, (laughs) a communist labor camp, slave camp where they were put through forced labor, tortured, beaten, all this stuff, and then escaped and are telling me the story, if I post that on the internet, big tech will flag it for misinformation and strike my account. So they, they put these strikes against you and they say, we're going to limit your ability to reach most of the people that clicked to follow you. They aren't going to be able to see your stuff anymore because you are now an account that shares misinformation. I'm literally interviewing someone from a Chinese communist labor camp that says we were forced to work. I was tortured, beaten, etc. Here's my story. It gets flagged as misinformation. My page takes a hit. And then what? As a nonprofit, I'm supposed to say, gee, this is a strong business avenue for me to invest more money in from donor dollars. What even is that? So that's why you see people talking about alternative platforms like Rumble or they're they're looking at Parler. They're looking at Getter. they're, They're just looking for opportunities to work really hard to make content and then put it out to educate people and reach people. And then big tech, it doesn't matter how much you spend. It doesn't matter how much you try to avoid controversial topics. You could say straight up firsthand testimony, facts, a personal story, and you get struck for misinformation just because big tech says that that's a lie. Communist China doesn't have concentration camps. So that's that. On Facebook, we're going to talk about Facebook for a bit. So I cannot ever look at the money that comes in from my Facebook page and say, 
gee, that's reliable. I just say, you know what, this is a fantastic blessing, a surprise, and I greatly appreciate it. I'm still going to put videos out no matter if I get money from them or not. But big tech takes it away pretty much every other week. (laughs) And so that's why it's like, this is absolutely not something I'm ever going to assume will continue to happen from week to week to week. So as a conservative, it's frustrating because Other pages that don't say the things that I say never have to deal with this. They can create an entire little media company based on relying on the money that comes in from the content they're making. So they kind of have it a little easier. For example, in just the last week alone, I posted two videos that have gotten struck down for sharing misinformation. The first one, it was a selfie video of me reacting to Kamala Harris saying that she thinks we need to give out hurricane relief for Hurricane Ian down in Florida based on race. Okay, so I reacted to it. I shared the original video of her saying it. And what do you know? The video got demonetized and flagged as misinformation because they said Kamala never said that. So I had to delete the video. And now my page is hit with a, oh, this is a page that shares misinformation. And so now my reach has been limited for an unknown amount of time. So I have no idea. It's like, is it a couple days? Is it a week? Is it a month? How am I supposed to know what Facebook even considers to be misinformation? Do you see how this is like, they can just control anything, even though it's Kamala Harris herself saying it. Here's the video of Kamala saying the thing and that they said is misinformation when I call her out for it. I know we are all thinking about the families in Florida, in Puerto Rico, with Fiona, um, in, in, and what we need to do to help them in terms of an immediate response and aid, but also what we need to do to help restore communities and build communities back up in a way that they can be resilient, not to mention adapt to these extreme weather conditions, which are part of the future. Um, on the point that you made about disparities, you know, when I was back when I was district attorney of San Francisco. I was elected in 2003. I started one of the first environmental justice units of NEDA's office in the country focused on this issue. And in particular on the disparities, as you have described rightly, which is that it is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and, and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and so we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um and and do that work Okay, so my selfie video on Facebook was calling her out for looking at a situation where people of all races, all genders, there's two genders, uh, they had their homes completely wiped out. It just doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Even my friend, I saw my friends down there and they don't have homes anymore. And they're all the different races. But she has to bring in the conversation of equity. So imagine being a straight white male. Your home is completely gone. Everything is completely gone. And you look on the TV and you see Vice President Harris saying that people of color and women are more affected than you. Not everybody starts from the same. So what do you mean not everyone starts at the same base? If everybody's starting with a wiped out home, everybody needs a home to be rebuilt, to be reestablished. Everything they put into those things, gone. 
And then you look and you see the vice president saying something like that. It's divisive, it's unnecessary, and it is woke propaganda being put into the political conversation to further divide the nation. They ran on unity, and then they go and divide us over something as horrible as a natural disaster like a hurricane. Okay, so I say that. What what does Facebook say? You're spreading misinformation, Morgan. She did not say that we need to focus hurricane relief based on race. Okay. Um, should I have said communities of color? Is that like the accepted conversational, uh, rhetoric that I should use now when talking about how she just said she wants to give out different hurricane relief based on race. I have to just say communities of color. I don't understand what I did wrong. And so how are we as conservatives ever supposed to reach people on the public square of 2022? If we never know that oh, this is going to be considered misinformation or this is going to be acceptable in the eyes of the totalitarian big tech people that control. So needless to say, I keep having to deal with this kind of stuff. I keep having the frustration of never knowing if I'm going to be in the little Facebook jail or not. So me and Owen, who does all my videos, so like we hire his company for the nonprofit. They do all that stuff. He helps me out with my personal things and like the videos and stuff and just kind of like long-term strategy. And he's also just fascinated by this as well. So we kind of look at everything to see like, okay, what got hit with misinformation? What's acceptable? What got lowered distribution just, but didn't get flagged, but it's kind of weird because usually this video would soar. And we were noticing like, okay, this one got demonetized. This one got flagged, but then we saw something else. And this really got me going. Okay. Because we've been looking into it of like, who even controls this stuff? It turns out that there are these companies or employees of these larger companies in tech or in the third-party fact-checking companies that literally just sit there all day and look for posts from conservatives to flag. So that was kind of weird to Owen and I because we've been investigating. But then it made a lot more sense because I found something in the comment section of another video. This video was from a couple days ago, and it was me again, in a selfie video, talking about how the press secretary in charge of Biden's administration communicating to the press, that's what the job of the press secretary, to communicate to the press, to communicate to the people what the Biden administration wants to communicate to them. She said the lowered gas prices are because of Biden, but the rise in any gas price costs, guess what? That's not because of Biden. And so she got called out for it. How can they be his fault if, or his responsibility, if they are lowered, how come he gets praised for that? But if they're higher than he, it's not his fault. Please tell us how something as simple as that is coming out of your mouth. So I did a selfie video on that. And here is the original video, just so you guys can see what I'm talking about. It's in her own words. Thanks, Green. You've said the president was responsible for gas prices coming down. Is the president responsible for gas prices going up? So it's a lot more nuance than that, right? Um, Peter, you know this. Uh, there have been global challenges that we have all have de- dealt with. When I say all, meaning other countries as well have dealt with since the pandemic. There's been pandemic and there's been uh, Putin's war. And Putin's war uh, has uh, 
increase gas prices at the pump. We have seen that over the past several months. And what the president was able to do, uh, he took some historic steps when you think about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and making sure that he, we were able to do everything that we can to bring that cost down uh, for American families, give them a little bit more of a breathing room. And we saw that. We saw that every day this summer uh, over a, uh, saving American families over a dollar per gallon. And so that is what the president is going to continue to stay focused on, our cons American consumers. How do we continue uh, to, keep, uh, to keep prices down? That's why we, we did the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. That's why we talk about the CHIPS Act. All of these. Okay, so just a quick refresher, if you guys aren't aware, one of the first things Biden did when he got in office was shut down the Keystone Pipeline. He actively took away America's energy independence that Trump created. Now we are once again dependent for energy, for resources from evil companies. Biden's trying to negotiate with Venezuela, a socialist regime that harms its people every single day with brutality. We're, we're doing work with the dirty bad guys now. Because Biden put us in the position of being dependent on them once again. And what is dependency? A very dangerous thing. Dependency means you have lost control. And you can be controlled now because you need certain things to get by. That's both individual independence, self-reliance, and as a nation. So under our President Trump last term, we were finally becoming a more independent country and we could kind of come to the table with a more powerful stance. But under Biden, absolutely not. So what do you know? I post this and I did a little selfie reaction talking about the policies that Biden put in place and how it's crazy that just because Biden is releasing from the strategic reserves, it does not mean that that is lowering the cost of gas. All it's doing is doing it for a short term leading up to the midterms. And as soon as the midterms hit, he is going to stop doing that. The reserves are going to be depleted to, I think it's at a 40 year low right now. So we're already at a seriously low amount in the reserves because of Biden. He's doing it to boost his presence and the Democrats presence leading up to the midterms to try and get voters to be a little happier with Democrats before they go to the polls. And as soon as that stops, as soon as this mess of the election is over, it's all going to go back to rising because the factors put in place that are being hidden right now by the release of strategic reserves, they're all going to start coming back and gas is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Trump warned about it. Experts are warning about it. My video warned about it. But here's the thing. In my little innocent Morgan Zegger selfie video, how dare I, right? I'm going to bring down the regime with my little selfie video. PolitiFact, PolitiFact, the actual company, the verified independent fact checker is under their name. So they comment on my post and they flag my post for misinformation. They said that my statement is mostly false. They commented, gasoline prices are a part of a global market. So U.S. policy changes could contribute to price shifts, but are not solely responsible for them. Russia's invasion of Ukraine, inflation, the pandemic, and increased labor costs have all contributed to rising gas prices. Oh my gosh. They are doing the dirty work of the regime, but they are labeled by t big tech as an independent fact checker. They're verified. And now they comment on Morgan Zegers of all. I have, I have like 5,000 likes on this. There's only 675 that, 75 shares. This is like a tiny video compared to other political people, but they have to come pick on my video, mark it as misinformation. 
and then comment on it with a link to their article that they're going to get money from because they probably sell ads on that site too. What, what in the world? What happens? It turns out there's stupid little dweeb like employees that just sit at the screen all day and look for opportunities like this to content flag people like me that are just trying to talk about the basics. They sit at their screen all day and just try and shut down any opposition to the regime, to the regime's messaging. Can you believe this? Like maybe you might be like, Morgan, get over it. It's a video. The point is that we're seeing the combination of the government with third party fact checkers that control thought and information and big tech controlling all aspects of this. And it's dangerous. It's because if you think it's like if they're going after there's a little Morgan Zegger's videos, then what else are they going to do? Like, who else are they going after? They could go after you then. You know, it's like they, they raided Trump's house and people say if they raided his house, they can raid anybody's house. That's what they're doing. They're doing it to pro-life people. I know multiple people that have investigations open into them from the FBI, my personal friends. This is getting sickening. It's getting freaky. I don't like it anymore. It's not that I liked it before, but like now I feel truly disturbed. So to the FBI person that's listening to my phone conversations, F off. I'll tell you that right now. I can't stand this anymore. I miss what our country was and is intended to be. I wonder if we could bring it back. I'm looking oh, I'm looking at the Declaration of Independence that is hanging on my wall right now. And I just cannot believe that we are at this moment. I cannot believe it. It truly makes me sad. It truly makes me sad. So I only tell you this not to complain of like, oh man, I can't monetize my videos anymore. I don't care about that. The point is that if they're coming after me for just trying to call out the actual statements of the vice president, of the press secretary, I say what they said and then I say why I have a problem with it and I'm flagged for misinformation when I'm using their words from their mouth, the government and fact-checking companies and big tech work together in a conspiracy against American citizens for just trying to vocalize their frustration with the party in power, with the people in power. What even is that anymore? What? That's why I'm mad. That's why I'm telling you guys this, because I want you to understand how serious this is. It's crazy to me because I was on the plane last night. I just flew back to Texas. I feel really happy because I'm finally back in my my Texas place, and it's just kind of nice to have all my equipment and stuff, and I can press the buttons. I kill a communist for fun. But for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. I I missed my button board. But I I tell you this, I'm I'm on the flight home last night, and it's like 1 a.m., but as we're getting on, everybody's just kind of like joking, laughing. Everybody is just so in the zone for these short-term worldly things that have consumed our brains. And as it's all happening, a regime is taking over and has been taking over for decades. There is a dangerous, dangerous growth happening in our country. And we are all, mostly, all of us are just aloof to it. And now that we're waking up, it's too late. They have control of all of the institutions we're all on lists at that point. Like, I, I just cannot believe that we've gotten to this point. With that being said, let's let's talk about our great friend, Mike Lindell, who also has to deal with this mess. You have all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. 
On top of the special exclusively for my listeners, on the Percale and Giza Dream bed sheets marked down as low as $29.98, Mike's now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. And this is all with code MORGAN, you guys. So MyPillow.com, MORGAN is the radio listener's code that you should use. It says, this set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still providing that soft feel you look for in a towel. So it comes with a bath towel, a hand towel, and a washcloth, and it usually retails for $49.99. But for a limited time with Code Morgan, you guys can get this three-piece towel set for $19.98. Do not miss out on these incredible offers. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374. Use promo code MORGAN or go to MyPillow.com. Click the radio listener square. Put my name in the promo code section. Morgan. Morgan, Morgan, Morgan. And what's funny is I put it on my Instagram story to like, there was like a MyPillow commercial on when I was working in the workshop with my dad. So I flashed from my dad to the TV and I was like, go to, go to MyPillow.com, use code Morgan. And people thought I was kidding because they hadn't listened to my show before where I read the MyPillow ads all the time. And I was like, absolutely not. I you guys can actually use co- promo code Morgan. A bunch of people did, and they saved a lot of money. So I love the sheets. I'm back in Texas finally where I have the sheets, the towels, and I'm wearing the My Pillow slippers as usual. They're my podcast slippers. Okay, I'm going to stop myself while I'm ahead. And by that, I mean I've gone on too much of a rant about this censorship stuff, but it's really grinding my gears at this point um, because I think we're just reaching the end times. Uh, <laughs> Semi-kidding. Uh, next thing, you guys, big update with Pfizer. <laughs> We have an admission, a fascinating video of an admission. This is um, a politician questioning a representative, a woman from Pfizer. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Well, they, they, they didn't test if the vaccine stopped transmission of the virus before putting the vaccine to market they told us it would be what 99 percent effective and then 90 percent effective and then 87 percent and then 60 percent and then uh basically doesn't work but everybody was forced to get it and if you didn't get it you lost your job really that's the kind of world we live in now so i thought that was interesting keep in mind that was a foreign politician i thought that was kind of cool to see because i haven't seen any interrogation really between the american politicians and the company ceos but i digress Um, Speaking of the vaccine, we have a fascinating update at a state level. So I know what I just said of like, oh, we haven't seen any American politicians. I meant that. I meant at the federal level. What the heck is going on? The only real strong pushback we're seeing is at the state level, that's specifically in Florida. Now, a lot of people ask me where I'm going to settle down. I will only plant my seeds for my little homestead in a state where I know the politicians understand their role in the keeping of the republic. We are a constitutional republic made up of sovereign states that formed together to create a union so that would be stronger together and not divided like a bunch of little mini European countries that are constantly fighting with each other, or at least were um, for most of history in Europe. So our founders wanted to avoid this. They proposed creating a union. The Articles of Confederation was too weak. It's because it was basically just independent states that kind of made up a team but had nothing to work together for. It wasn't strong enough. It was going to divide 
So they proposed a stronger one. They created the federal government. Look at the state of the federal government now. Oh boy, Uh, we've kind of gotten a little far away from the intentions of our founders, but that's another topic. The whole point is that most of the time these days, nobody knows that they have a special role in the keeping of the republic. The state governors have no idea, except for a few really good ones like Governor Ron DeSantis, the state legislatures, the state attorney generals, the state, uh, the secretary of state. You have the county level leaders. You have people like the sheriffs who can stand up and say, I'm not enforcing X, Y, Z because I think it's unconstitutional. Everybody has just bent the knee to the powers in Washington, D.C., when in reality it was supposed to be a situation of checks and balances of power, not just between the three federal branches of government, the executive, legislative, and judicial. It was supposed to be the three branches of government in the federal level checking each other, creating that balance, and and making sure that one power wasn't getting too oppressive of the people and really protecting the rights of the people at the end of the day. But you were also supposed to have the different layers of government. So federal, state, local, all of these are supposed to check each other. And the most important one that's absolutely been forgotten is the role of the person, the role of the citizen. All of the citizens were also supposed to be a layer of checking the federal government, the state government, the local government. And look at us now. Barely anybody can even show up to the polls these days. And the county GOPs are a freaking mess. I digress. Um, Wow. I'm so sorry. I'm like yelling at the microphone. Let's calm it down. So back to Florida. We have a lot of information coming out about the vaccine. Now that it's been out for a little bit, there's studies. Most recently, we have some information. I'm going to start by reading this from Upward News. If you guys don't follow them yet, it's a really good source on Instagram. And then they have a website as well. So they said the medical reckoning is here. In a high-profile dissent from the liberal scientific political community, Florida is now the first state to recommend against pandemic shots for male adults. Here's the bombshell. Under Florida's Surgeon General Joseph Latipo, MD, the Sunshine State now recommends against mRNA shots for males aged 18 to 39. The administration cites a new Florida analysis that shows an 84% increase in the incidence of cardiac-related death within 28 days of shots for that age group. This is not surprising. A 2022 analysis showed that the shots caused a dramatic increase in heart inflammation in young men. European nations like Denmark and Norway banned the shots for everyone but seniors. What? I didn't even know that. Finland paused mRNA shots for adult men 30 and under. Sweden stopped recommending the shots to those between 12 and 17. Australia significantly limited shot availability for those between 16 and 30. I had no idea these numbers. This is fascinating. This is a great site. So if you guys want to read more about that, and of course it's flagged by the World Health Organization's uh, misinformation thing on Instagram. Fantastic. It just says so much about this. Um, But if you guys want to read more again, there's that upward.news website. But that's the basics. So Florida looked at all the information that's coming out, and they said we no longer recommend giving this to young adult males. What happened next? They tweet it. They tweeted, today, we released an analysis on COVID-19 mRNA vaccines the public needs to be aware of. This analysis showed an increased risk of cardiac-related death among men 18 to 39. Florida will not be silent on the truth. Here's the guidance, link. Here's the press release, link. And this is, again, from the state surgeon general, Joseph Ladipo. Um, You guys, what happened next? Twitter deleted the tweet from the Florida surgeon general, the doctor, who said we've analyzed all of the information and we now have new state guidelines. Here they are. Here's the link. 
Twitter decided they're smarter than this man and the state of Florida, and they decided to delete the tweet. What do you know? That got a lot of backlash and following a huge public outcry for censoring an official state source, they reinstated the tweet. That's where we're at with that. So the Florida Surgeon General goes on Tucker, and I wanted you guys to see this video. Here we go. So I ask people sometimes who are still, you know, hemming and hawing about this. If this if this vaccine, if it had been known two years ago or so that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men by 84 percent, would they have approved it? The obvious answer is no, you would never give something to someone who was young and healthy and increase their risk of dying from from sudden cardiac death by 84%. But people are often, their response is, well, you know, I don't know, COVID's pretty bad. Yes, COVID can be terrible, but we don't give people medications that kill them. (laughs) He says it so perfectly. You don't give people medications that kill them over something that's not even going to affect their age group in any significant way. Okay, so What I want to do is just give a quick shout out before we kind of move on. This Florida Surgeon General, he's kind of been looked over, but he has been very clear about this from the start. He's been speaking out about this for years since the beginning of COVID of not being too um, dangerous with the risks that we would take with experimental vaccines. He's spoken out. He's gotten ridiculed so much by the left. They try to delegitimize him, even though you guys get this. He's an a black surgeon general of an entire state. You'd think that they would like freak out about, oh, it's so exciting to see a black man in a high position of power. He's a doctor. This is so exciting because they love looking at people's labels and their physical identity. No, 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 no. They call him crazy. They call him all the usual attack words. Like for me, I'm a woman. They call me misogynist. He gets called all the crazy, ridiculous, nonsense talking points too. But he stands up for himself. And I found this tweet. (laughs) From This is from June 2022, June 29th. He says, any other labels you guys want to throw at me? The conversation at the grown-up table is about why the COVID-19 vaccine for children was approved with no data on clinical benefit. You are free to come join the adults once you're done name-calling. And he said this to the select subcommittee on the coronavirus. Isn't that interesting? And that's, you know, housed under the Dems in the oversight committee in Congress, but they're calling him out and attacking him. And he literally says, okay, the adults are having a serious conversation now. Feel free to join when you're done with the name calling. This guy deserves our attention. I don't like to put myself behind politicians because I think they're often very disappointing. And I also think it's kind of like influencers where they have this certain ascetic in the public eye. And then it turns out like, oh, they do this behind the scenes and that's really disappointing. They aren't exactly the man or woman that we should be looking up to. It's like celebrities where they're they're icons and then it's like, oh, they've actually been alcoholic drug addicts this entire time. And they, they have a, an eating disorder and all these uh, mental problems because they're actually super depressed being on the road, but they make it seem like their life is so amazing. And now all the young kids that looked up to them are really confused and then they get bad influence and we say, oh, what do we do? Well, Maybe we shouldn't just idolize people because they're famous for certain things, and we certainly shouldn't idolize politicians. I will say, though, I like this guy, and I'm willing to say that out loud. I like Ron DeSantis. I like this guy. His name is Joseph Ladapo, L-A-D-A-P-O, M-D, Ph-D. His uh, Twitter is FL Surgeon Gen. So if you guys want to follow him, I think, you know, in an era of just absolute federal tyranny, medical tyranny, and oppression of any 
political opposition, we must support the good guys. And if I ever see that this guy's a bad guy, he's out. Okay. He's out. And I'm telling you right away. (laughs) Now I had more stuff to talk about, but what do you know? My ranting got us to 40 minutes already. You guys, thank you so much. Actually, wait, 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 wait. One fun fact before you leave me. I saved this because I really want to talk to you guys about it. Now, I'm a history nerd. I'm also a Christian. And I'm fascinated with the fact that so much death and devastation has been sparked and inspired by people's faith, people's religion. I, (laughs) I really don't understand how someone can read the four books of the gospel and then do certain things and think that they're in the right. And so I love looking at like um, Bloody Mary, the Queen of England, where she did a lot of um, healing in the name of her faith and she felt very righteous about it. And little stories like that, I truly like wonder what's in people's heads because you see it all the time when people get obsessed with a certain thing and then they, they are willing to kill people and hurt many, many people all in the name of that religion or in the name of that cause whether it's religious or not. And it just kind of blows my mind. And so I love looking at the history of how we had certain things happen because I would love to make sure we avoid those things and make sure that they never happen again. But I did not know this and I thought it would be interesting for you to hear this. So today in church history, this is back from October 6th, by the way, on October 6, 1536, William Tyndale is strangled, blown up with gunpowder and burned to death for secretly translating the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into English. Tyndale believed that everyone should have the Bible in his native tongue. Tyndale believed that everyone was called to read, study, and interpret scripture. At the time, the Catholic Church taught that only approved clergy could do that. Tyndale denounced praying to saints and believed in a symbolic meaning of the Lord's Supper, unlike Luther who believed in the real presence in the Eucharist. Tyndale understood the transformative power that lay within scripture. At the time in England, owning a Bible was forbidden. There were some handwritten copies, but they were extremely scarce at the time, and they had been translated from poor Latin copies into English. Tyndale first sought permission from the king, but was refused. He knew the only way was if he left the country, so he went uh, underground and began translating from directly the original languages into English. For 12 years, he hid, moving from place to place, being hunted, fearing for his life. A young man by the name of Henry Phillips was hired as a bounty hunter to headhunt Tyndale in exchange for money to replace money that he had squandered earlier. Phillips pretended to support the Reformation and lies about his belief in justification by faith to get close to Tyndale. Tyndale was betrayed and arrested. He would spend a year and a half in prison and charged with heresy and treason. He was sentenced to death by burning. He would be hung, strangled, burned, and his body blown up with gunpowder in an attempt to erase his existence. What remained of his body was scattered. One of his final prayers was, O Lord, open the King of England's eyes, a prayer that would be answered and the English Bible would be made lawful. Philip had lured Tyndale out and away from the house to be arrested, and once word got back to the house that Tyndale had been arrested, his work was gathered by John Rogers and someone fled with the papers. John Rogers would help complete Tyndale's work by utilizing Miles Coverdale's work. John Rogers would also be martyred by then Queen Mary I, Bloody Mary, who watched with pleasure as he was burned. <sighs> so I just share that with you because I find humans quite interesting. And again, I can't really say it in any other way beyond I don't know how you can read the four books of the gospel and then do things like that. 
and interpret what Jesus said into actions like that. It blows my mind. And so that's what I've been really deep diving in lately. Um, But I thought you guys would find that interesting. I had no idea that that was the history of how we first got the English version of the Bible and the idea that the church used to think that, you know, normal schmucks like me and you shouldn't be able to read it ourselves and see um, the original text and what the message was from God. Because isn't the Bible supposed to be God speaking to us? But I digress. Um, With that being said, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I'll try and find some more historical fun facts. Let me know if you like these. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Hit subscribe. And then please leave a review. Five stars. Love you guys. Thank you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.